morning. I will begin this episode with the Say of the Witch Trials Part 1. Viewers under 17 should beware of graphic violence and language. The Salem Witch Trials were hearings and prosecutes of people accused of witchcraft in colonial Massachusetts from February 1692 to May 1693. 19 of, two of the 200 people accused of witchcraft were found guilty and executed by hanging. 14 women and 5 men, Giles Corey, was crushed to death when he refused to plead guilty and 5 died in jail. This is the deadliest witch hunt in the history of colonial North America. 12 other women were executed in Massachusetts and Connecticut during the 17th century in the period known as the Salem Witch Trials, where preliminary hearings were conducted in towns like Salem Village, now Danvers, Ipswich, and Andover in 1692. The most infamous trials were conducted by the Court of Oyer and Terminer in Salem Town in 1692. These witch trials were notorious cases of mass hysteria in colonial America and were used in political rhetoric and popular literature showing vivid cautionary to the dangers of isolationism, religious extremism, false accusations, and lapses in due process. While it's not unique, the colonial American example has a broader phenomenon of the witch trials in the early modern period, which also took place in Europe. Many history consider the last effects of the trials to be colonial, influential in United States history. George Lincoln Burr is said to have stated the Salem witchcraft was the rock on which the Theorox is shattered. The 300th anniversary in 1992 commemorates the victims of the Salem Witch Trials in a park in Salem as well as one in Danvers. An act passed in November 2001 by the Massachusetts legislature exonerates the five people and still another one passed in 1957 previously exonerated six other victims. By 2004 there was talk about exonerating all the victims despite some that think what ha that ha happened during the 19th century when the Massachusetts colonial legislature asked to reverse the attainers of George Burroughs and others in January 2016. The University of Virginia announced the Gallows Hill Project team to determine where the execution site in Salem where 19 witches were hanged. The city owns the site and plans to establish a memorial to the victims. Background While witch trials in Europe were beginning to fade out in the mid-17th year, the surrounding areas of Europe and colonial America during 1692 and 1693 had brief outbursts of hysteria in Salem in the New World. In Against Modern Sadducism, 1668, Joseph Glanville made the claim that he could prove the existence of witches and ghosts in the supernatural realm when he wrote about the denial of the bodily resurrection and the supernatural spirits. Glanville claimed that ingenious men should believe in witches and apparitions. If they doubted the reality of spirits, they not only denied demons, but also Almighty God, too. Glanville set out to prove the supernatural could not be denied, and those who did deny apparitions were considered heretics, as, as it also disproved their beliefs in angels. Glanville, all as well as works by Cotton Mather, attempted to prove that demons were alive. Accusations the witch trust started that the people were accused of witchcraft by teen girls like Elizabeth Hubbard, 17, and some even younger. The earliest recorded witchcraft executions was Al's Young in 1647 in Hartford, Connecticut. Historian Clarence F. 
Jewett included others who were executed in New England in his 1881 book. Political Context People came to the new world of colonial America to escape religious persecution and built a Bible-based society. Living by a close sense of the supernatural, the original 1629 Royal Charter of the Massachusetts Bay Colony was vacated in 1684 when King James II installed Sir Edmund Andros as Governor of Dominion of New England. Andros was ousted in 1689 after the Re Glorious Revolution in England replaced the Catholic James II with Protestant co-rulers William and Mary. Simon Bradstreet and Thomas Danforth, the colony's last leaders under the old charter, resumed their posts as governor and deputy governor, but lacked constitutional authority to rule due, due to the old charter being vacated. With tensions between English colonists settling in the eastward present-day coast of Maine and French-supported Wabanaki Indians of that territory in what came to be known as King William's War. This was 13 years after the devastating King Philip's War with the Wampanoag and other indigenous tribes in southern and western New England. In October 1690, Sir William Phipps led an unsuccessful attack on French-held Quebec between 1689 and 1692. Native Americans attacked many English settlements along the Maine coast, leading to the abandonment of some of the settlements and resulting in a flood of refugees in areas like Essex County. New charter for the province of Massachusetts Bay was given final approval in England on October 16, 1691. News of appointment of Phipps as new governor reached Boston in late January and a copy of, it, of the new charter reached Boston on February 8, 1692. Phipps arrives in Boston on May 14th and was sworn in as governor two days later along with Lieutenant Governor William Stoughton. The first order of business for the new governor and the council on May 16th, May 27, 16. 92 was a formal nomination of County Justice of the Peace, Sheriffs, and a commission of a special court of order and terminator to handle the large numbers of people sitting in jail. Paul Boyer and Stephen Nissenbaum were postulated that without a valid charter, the colony had no legitimate form of government to try capital cases until Phipps arrived with a new charter. Disputed by David Koenig, pointing out that between charters according to the records of the Court of Assistance, the colony tried and condemned a group of 14 pirates on January 27, 1690 for acts of piracy and murder in August and October 1689. Local Context Salem Village, present-day Danvers, Massachusetts, known for its factious, fractious population, had many internal disputes between the village and Salem Town, present-day Salem. Arguments about property lines, grazing rights, and church privileges were arrived, and neighbors considered the population quarrelsome. In 1672, the villagers voted to hire a minister of their own apart from Salem Town. The first two ministers, James Bailey, 1673-79, and George Burrow, 1680-83, stayed only a few years each, starting after the congregation failed to pay their full rate. Burroughs was subsequently arrested at the height of the witchcraft hysteria and was hanged as a witch in 1692. While ministers' rights were upheld by the general court and the parish was admonished, each of the two ministers still chose to leave. The third minister, Dio Dat Lawson, 1684-88, stayed for a short time, leaving it to the church until they refused to ordain him and not over issues with the congregation. The parish disagreed about Salem's village's choice of Samuel Paris, 
As its first ordained minister on June 18, 1689, the village has agreed to hire Paris for 68 pounds annually, one-third part in money, and the other two-thirds part in provisions and use of the parsonage. On October 10, 1689, they raised his business to grant him the deed to the parsonage and two acres, 0.8 hectares of land. This conflicted with the 1681 village resolution stating that it shall not be lawful for the inhabitants of this village to convey the houses or lands or any other concerns belonging to the ministry to any particular person or person, not for any cause by vote or other ways. Although prime minister's faith and level of contention in Salem Village were valid reasons for caution in accepting the position Reverend Parish increased the village's division by delaying his acceptance. Unable to settle his new parishioners' disputes by deliberately seeking out iniquitous behavior in his congregation, making church members in good standing suffer public penance or small infractions, he contributed significantly to the villagers' tension, increasing unabated bickering. Historian Marion Starkey suggests that in this atmosphere, atmosphere, serious conflict may have been inevitable. Religious context. In regards to constitutional turmoil during the 1680s, Massachusetts government was dominated by conservative Puritan secular leaders. Influenced by Calvinism, the Puritans opposed many of the traditions of the Church of England, including the use of the Book of Common Prayer, the use of clergy vestments during services, the use of the sign of the cross at baptism, and kneeling to receive communion, all of which they believed constituted popery. King Charles I, hostile to this viewpoint, as well as Anglican Church officials, tried to repress these dissenting views during the 1620s and 1630s. Some Puritans and other religious minorities had sought refuge in the Netherlands, but ultimately made a major migration to colonial North America to establish their own society. These immigrants, consisting mainly of families, established several of the earliest colonies in New England, of which the Massachusetts Bay Colony was the largest and most economically important. Intending to build a society based on their religious beliefs, colonial leaders were elected by the freemen of the colony, individuals who had their religious experiences formally examined and had been admitted to one of the colony's Puritan congregations. Colonial leadership was made from prominent members of their congregations and regularly consulted with local ministers on issues facing the colony. By the early 1640s, England erupted in civil war and the Puritan-dominated parliamentarians emerged victorious and the crown was supplanted by the protectorate of Oliver Cromwell in 1653. Its failure led to restoration of the old order under Charles II. Emigrations to New England slowed significantly during these years, and Massachusetts' excessive merchant class began to develop that was less religiously motivated than the early colonies, colonies' early settlers. Gender context. Most of the people accused of witchcraft were women, around 78%. But overall, Puritan belief prevailing over New England culture was that women were inherently sinful and more susceptible to damnation than men were. Throughout their daily lives, Puritans especially Puritan women, actually condemned to thwart the devil's temptations to overtake them and their souls. While Puritans believed that men and women were equal in the eyes of God, this wasn't so with the devil. Women's souls were seen as unprotective and weak in their vulnerable bodies. This may explain why women are more likely to admit guilt of witchcraft than men. Historian Elizabeth Reese suggests that some actually believe that they may 
have truly given in to the devil with many believing they may have done so temporarily. However, some may have confessed just to be integrated into society and be spared their lives. Quarrels between neighbors often incited witchcraft allegations. This was certainly the case when Abigail Faulkner accused of witchcraft in 1690 minutes she was angry at what folks said and the devil may have temporarily overtaken her, causing harm to her neighbors. Women who refused to conform to the, to the norms of Puritan society were likely to be the target of witchcraft allegations, especially those who were unmarried or did not have children. Local rumors of witchcraft. Before 1692, rumors of witchcraft in neighboring Salem Village and other towns. Cotton Mather, a minister of Boston's North Church, don't confuse with the later Anglo North Church associate Paul Revere, was a prolific pub- publisher of pamphlets, including some that expressed his belief in witchcraft. In his book, Memo Providences Related to Witchcraft and Pro- Possessions, 1689, Mather talks about his oracular. Observations how stupendous witchcraft affects the children of Boston, Mason John Goodwin. Mather writes how the Goodwin's eldest child was tempted by the devil and stole linen from the washerwoman, Goody Clover. Glover. Glover, of Irish classic Catholic descent, was noted as a disagreeable old woman and accused by her husband as a witch, leading some to be accused of casting spells on the Goodwin children. After the event, four of the six Goodwin children began having strange fits, or what some referred to as the disease of astonishment. These manifestations began to be attributed to the disease that would be associated with witchcraft. Symptoms included neck and back pains, tongues being drawn from their throats, and loud random outcries. Other symptoms also included having no control over their own bodies, like becoming limber, flapping their arms like birds, or trying to harm others as well as themselves. These symptoms would heighten the craze of 1692. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for episode for part two of the Salem Witch Trials.